Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our podcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the chance to just be in your presence, to to allow your spirit to fill this room this morning. That is our prayer, God, that it will fill this room and convict us to a life that simply lives for you. Help us, Lord. Help us to just always focus on you. Even in the most difficult of moments, allow us to realize that just because things may not be going the way we want them to go doesn't mean that they're not going in a way that greatly benefits your kingdom. So help us to keep that proper perspective, God. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Really and truly, this lesson this morning may be more about perspective than it is anything else. I may get in trouble. I've used this illustration in other sermons before and not here, but I've never actually had someone that sits over in this side of the auditorium that actually speaks Chinese. So when I use this illustration, Kathy, if I'm wrong, just don't tell me till tomorrow. Um, I have been told that the Chinese symbols or word for crisis is made up of two very distinct symbols. One means danger and the other means opportunity. Danger and opportunity equals crisis. Now, like I said, this is preacher illustration. I've looked it up the best I could. I've always found other preachers that said it's right. I may be totally wrong. That being said, when you think about the word crisis, the idea of danger is obvious, right? A crisis is something that comes up that you look at and you go, there's problems here, and they're usually not good problems. But what you have learned in life, that I I know if you've lived long enough, you learn this, with every crisis comes a what? Opportunity. With every crisis comes an opportunity. At the end of... Acts chapter 7, as we studied last week, one of the great young men of this new church movement, if you will, uh, of this Christian faith that was blooming and blossoming in, in amazing ways, was killed. There are the churches in crisis mode now. All these great things have been happening. Now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, Stephen is killed. He's gone. This is serious. This is real. This is a life choice. It's not just about feeling good and being happy and everything being hunky-dory in life. This is a decision of life and death now for these individuals. What's going to happen? Well, there is a crisis. There is danger But this crisis turns into a great and wonderful opportunity for the kingdom of God. You see, up to this point, up to this point, the gospel had only been preached in one town. And what was that? Jerusalem. As Jesus is getting ready to ascend back into heaven in the book of Acts chapter 1 and starting around verse 8, he says, you are going to go to Jerusalem, you're going to go to Judea, to Samaria, and to all of the world. Jesus gave them a game plan. He said, here's phase 1, here's phase 2, 3, and 4. Now, they didn't know how it was all going to play out, but this crisis, this moment of danger takes things from phase one and pushes it into phase two. You see, sometimes we get so comfortable in phase one, where we are. We've accomplished something. I've seen this happen in other churches that I've worked with. We've accomplished kind of our first step together. 
and, and we look behind us and we go, oh wow, we have gone from there to here. We've done some good things. And you get comfortable in that phase. And God says, I'm not going to allow them to be comfortable. I'm going to give them a reason that they have to naturally jump into this next phase of the kingdom. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 8. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout where? What does your Bible say there? Throughout Judea and just... Just made them go right to phase two, right? Don't pass go, don't pass two, don't collect $200. Just right to phase two. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered. Okay, you following me here? Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. I want you to listen to that phrase again. Listen to that statement. Those who were scattered did what? Preach the word where? Everywhere. Wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. We'll pick up there here in just a moment. This is an amazing opportunity. An amazing opportunity. There is conflict in Jerusalem. People are dying in Jerusalem. People are scared in Jerusalem. So these people scatter. I would imagine a lot of them, okay, I would imagine a lot of them probably went back home. A lot of them went back home. You see at the end of the day of Pentecost, there are thousands of people that stayed in Jerusalem from all these different places. And I think that they stayed there for a long time to be a part of this new Christian faith that was being developed in this city. And now they've had to scatter. They've had to go back home. Now Philip leaves, and I think a lot of people probably did what Philip did. I think a lot of people did like Philip and went and preached the word in a way that maybe we're a little more accustomed to. More of, hey, he had a small group of people together and he shared more of an evangelistical mindset kind of like we have. But what I want you to think about for a second, what I want you to think about for a moment is verse 4, the beginning of it, that wherever they went, they preached the word. This scattering created a great opportunity for the sharing of faith to become a very natural thing. I've experienced this, not the persecution, but but the going somewhere new. Uh, Haleville, this is no secret to anybody. Haleville is a very small place. It's a very small place. If you don't believe that, you've never left Haleville. And so, when I have conversations with people, and I use the statement, I'm new to town, we've just moved to the area, especially if they're not connected to anybody that is connected to church and don't know why or who I am yet, um, they have a statement for me, a question. How did you end up here? That's a fair question. I've lived places. I grew up in Savannah, Tennessee. Savannah's about the same size of Haleville. When people would move in, that's the same question. Why in the world? How did you find Savannah? How did you find Haleville? You know what my next statement is? Well, I'm the new preacher at the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. And just like that, I'm in a conversation about the church. 
Just like that. Simply for them wondering, why, why did you end up here? I could come up with a lot of different things to say, but that is a great opportunity to insert my faith. Now, tomorrow, tomorrow, some of you are going to go to work. Some of you are going to go to school. The rest of you, I really don't know what you do if you're retired. But you're going to see somebody tomorrow, and you're going to be asked a question. You're going to be asked a question. You know what that question is? What did you do this weekend? Anybody ever been asked that question? Hey, how'd your weekend go? What'd you do this weekend? What are you going to answer with? Some of you could say, well, we went out to the, to the deer woods and went hunting. Anybody go to the deer woods this weekend? Nobody. Okay. I found out when I lived in Arkansas, there's a difference in deer woods and regular woods. Something I still haven't understood, but there's a difference if you didn't know. Some of you are going to talk about sports. Some of you are going to talk about your kids' activities. But most of you probably won't cross your mind to talk about going where? To church. Because it's just what you do. You're always there. You never miss a chance to be there. It's nothing that really stands out in your mind as something grand to talk to someone about. But tomorrow, when someone says, what did you do this weekend? I want to challenge you to start with saying, you know, I did a lot of stuff this weekend. But the best part of it was going to worship Sunday morning. And just like that, you're in a conversation about sharing your faith. Now, that's going to be scary for some of you. I get that. It's going to be very uncomfortable to share your faith in that way. Because the next question is, you know, why was it so great? What did y'all talk about? Most of you are going to completely forget what I have preached on this morning by tomorrow. I understand that. But look for opportunities to open those doors. Not so you can walk through it, but so God can walk through it and change someone's life. Everywhere you go, look for an opportunity to share the word of God. That's exactly what these people did. They took a dangerous moment and turned it into a great opportunity for the kingdom of God. Let's keep going in our text. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. I want you to underline that phrase in your Bible. There was great joy in that city. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't have the power to drive out any demons. I don't have the power to make anybody uh, well that is sick. If I had that kind of power, trust me, I wouldn't have the body that I have now. But I do have the same God who's able to heal so many spiritual and, yes, even physical issues in life. The way he may choose to do that's not up to me. And our God still possesses the ability to give us an abundance, an abundance, an overflowing abundance of joy. Did you walk into a lot of church buildings on Sunday morning and the last word that you would use to describe them is joyful? It's joyful. A joyful person is someone that when you look at them, or rather maybe when they walk in the room, the room gets brighter. You know people like that? They walk in the room and the room's a better place. There's also people on the opposite end. They walk in the room and they just suck the energy out. We should be the most joyful people in the world. And here in this text, here in this text, it tells us 
that when these people heard the message of God, when they heard the God and they saw the power that came with the message of God, that it brought a great joy to that city. Listen, not only should we have a joyful church, we should be bringing joy to the city of Haleville. Haleville should be a joyous place because of us and our message. Because it's the message of salvation. It's the message of hope. It's the message of forgiveness. But if you don't share that message, there will be no joy. Which goes back to, how was your weekend? Let's bring joy to this world. Let's keep going. There's a, there's a lot in this chapter that we're going to hit. We've already hit some. We're going to hit some more. And I'm just praying this morning that something's in here for you that you need. And if you pay attention, I think the Spirit will touch you with it. Let's keep going. Now, this is verse 9. For some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people in Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Excuse me. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Simon, that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Let's stop right there for just a moment. Let's talk about a little bit of background here. The Samaritans, or the people from Samaria and the Jewish people, they didn't like each other. They had a lot of conflict with one another. We understand conflict in the Middle East, don't we? We see it on the news every day. This is the world in which they live. There was conflict. The Jewish people thought they were so much better than the people from Samaria. And they lived their life with that arrogant attitude every single day. But Philip shows, Philip shows that there's no division in Christ. Philip shows that there is acceptance in Christ for all. You know what? We all have differences. We all have differences. The only thing that we all have in common most days may be that we put our pants on one leg at a time in the morning. And now that I've said that, somebody will try to do it two at a time tomorrow, and you'll fall, and I'll have to come see you at the hospital, and it'll be all my fault, right? We have so many differences that's easy to focus on. It's easy to let our differences get in the way sometimes. It's easy to let that person that's just the thorn in our flesh, that's just that person that, that I look at them and I think of sandpaper more than a brother or sister in Christ. There are some people that just rub us the wrong way that when we look at them, we don't see the positive things. We see the negative things. And what I pull from this right here is that the power of Christ, the important things in Christ are so much greater than the things that we find 
differences in. The relationships that we might struggle with, a lot of time we struggle with them. Why? Because Christ is not at the center of them. We are. We want our way. We want people to act the way we want them to act. Christ says, no, it's about me. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in all things, put others above yourself. You should have the same heart, mindset, however your translation says that, as that of Christ Jesus. When that is the way that we live, when Christ is in our heart and not our own selfish desires, we will have the ability to love those that we feel are unlovable. We'll have the ability to forgive those that we feel are unforgivable. This was such a powerful moment that not just Philip went, they heard what was going on back in Jerusalem and they sent apostles down there to continue to grow this ministry that Philip had started. You see, when God's at the center of it, we have the ability to work through those differences and to grow to a greater unity. And that's what Christ is calling us to be and who he wants us to be. Let's keep going. One more thing, and then the lesson will be yours. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now, they had a very specific role. Verse 15, when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Let's stop right there. Acts chapter 2 makes a very profound statement that when we repent and are baptized, we receive the gift of what? The Holy Spirit. We receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. His, the Spirit of God and our spirit are intertwined and infused with each other. And He is in us. And when God looks at us, He doesn't see the sinful side of us. He sees the Holy Spirit side of us. That's how we can be holy like God is holy. The Holy Spirit that they're talking about here is this miraculous measure. This ability to have gifts and different things that you read about in the New Testament. Which can only, which can only come about out to the laying on of the apostles' hands. But I could see how it might be confusing to say, well, in Acts chapter 2 it says the Holy Spirit acts this way, and in Acts chapter 8 it says that it acts this way. But I want to give you something this morning. I want to give you something this morning that I want you to really hold on to and understand. The coming on of the Holy Spirit in our life is not just a one-time thing. Does that make sense? Behind this wall is, in essence, a big bathtub full of water. And many of you have had the opportunity to be immersed in the baptism in that water or, or, or in a place very similar to it. And the power in that moment is so wonderful. We have a habit, though, of leaving the Holy Spirit in the water, don't we? We've been baptized. We've been immersed Paul says at the end of 1 Thessalonians, he says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. But yet, as a brotherhood, many times that's exactly what we've done. Because we don't always understand the Holy Spirit. 
It's hard to quantify the Holy Spirit. Men have wrote books upon books of trying to put the Holy Spirit in a box so that we understand it. Can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit is God and you'll never be able to fully understand it. That's just the truth. And that's okay. We're not meant to fully understand the Holy Spirit. But what I see here is these Christians were obviously, they got the same promise that Peter promises in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And then there was another measure of the Holy Spirit here that in the first century they were able to get. So the apostles came down and gave that to them. But what I see, what Matthew gets, is that I cannot leave the Holy Spirit just at my moment of baptism. That I have to give the Holy Spirit room to work in my life. And and there will be times that, that I'm open to Him filling me up. And there's going to be times that I close myself off. But it's not going to be a one-time stagnant relationship. Paul says as much in Galatians 5. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's something that we are walking with and toward. He's right there by our side. We can't allow it to be put out. It has to burn within us. I want you to know something this morning. We'll talk about this in another series that's coming up here in the new year. I want you to understand this one thing about the Holy Spirit. This is why it's so important for it to burn in your life. It's because the Holy Spirit's role, its job, is to always shine a light on Jesus Christ. And in essence, that means that's your job in life. It's to allow the Holy Spirit to shine His light through you on to Jesus This was an an incredible thing that these guys were experiencing so much, and we're just going to paraphrase the rest of it, that this guy Simon, the sorcerer, saw what was going on, and he wanted to buy this power. He wanted to buy this Holy Spirit. And it wasn't for sale. He didn't get it. And I'm afraid many of us have missed it as well. We've missed the steps that we should be taking with the Holy Spirit in our life. It's such a vital part of who we are, of what we are, and what we should be in Christ. Now, we've covered a lot of ground today. I've talked a lot, and I've said a lot. So let's kind of wrap it up. How how can we leave this in a good place with us today? Well, I, I just want to simply ask you this question right here, right now. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Maybe you have been, and you feel drained of it. Today is a day to re-engage, to re-energize, to be filled once more. Maybe you've never had the Holy Spirit because you've never been a ch- become a child of God through the waters of baptism. That's the power in Acts 2 verse 38. It's not just the Church of Christ baptism verse. It's not just an argument verse. It's not just a point of debate. It is the truth. If you repent and are baptized, you will be forgiven of your sins. And you will receive the gift, the promised Holy Spirit. He said, this isn't just for you. This is for all the generations that are to come. And he was talking about us there. This Holy Spirit is for us. And you see, even though it's at the end of the lesson, it's really the beginning. Because when you're full of the Holy Spirit, when you're walking in step 
with the Holy Spirit, you then will have the mindset to turn crisis and danger into opportunities. You then will have the ability to share your faith. You then will have the ability to have joy regardless of what's going on in life. You'll have the ability to forgive even when you don't want to forgive. All of that comes through the promise powered of the Holy Spirit. So I ask you this question. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit this morning? Jesus gives us these words. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be opened. I challenge you this morning to let today be the day that you truly ask and seek a life full of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we come before your throne room this morning with a worshipful heart. And I'm so grateful, God, for the songs that have been lifted into your presence this morning, for the time of of, of spirit, spiritual renewal and communion that we have had around your table. A moment that not only puts us into spiritual fellowship with you, but with every Christian that is a part of your body. I thank you for the prayers, the passages. I just thank you for this day of worship, God. But God, we pray that it is not just an exercise of ritual, but that it is, a, it is a moment of practical living in faith and in step with you. I thank you for the passages that we've read today and the power that is behind each and every word that we've read. And I pray, God, that, that whoever needed it this morning will hear it, will take hold of it, will be convicted, and that conviction will lead to a change in their life. God, I pray that we become a church full of your spirit so that we can bring joy to this community, so that we can bring salvation to this community, God. Bless us, Lord. Help us to always live in the hope that is you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. There is a God. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 1030 a.m., and 6 o'clock p.m., with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to listen again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for our community.